Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Sunday Questions, a podcast. We are still in Trollis, and I'm still your host, Kayleen Bracken. I am so pumped about this episode. It is once again, you guys are stuck with me. It is a solo episode, and I'm feeling incredibly chatty. I just got back from a really not long day of traveling, honestly. We had a game in Greenville, North Carolina today, so we flew to Greenville this morning and then flew back this afternoon and it's 7 p.m. now and this podcast will come out tomorrow. I didn't sit down to record this this past week. I don't really know why. I don't know why I didn't do that. I had plenty of time to be honest with you. I didn't totally feel compelled to do it and I've realized that if I wait until 5 p.m. on like a school day, so Monday through Friday, to record one of these, I just won't do it or I will record and I will sound like I cannot form a coherent thought. So that is why I'm recording but it's almost perfect because it's like I'm updating you guys as soon as the podcast basically comes out so you guys are just as up to date and uh, I'm so pumped I just booked a really awesome guest that I'm very excited about I don't really know when she's gonna come on but we have fun podcast episodes in store I really do want to get more guests on like I think that this will be just generally like a solo episode dominant podcast especially in its early stages just because I really enjoy chatting but a huge part of how I've gotten to where I am is through engaging with other people about their stories and so I'm hoping and I'm hopeful that we'll have more people on in the next few months especially with summer coming guys like I am so excited to have so many people on and to be able to put so much more energy towards the podcast is just something that will like really fill me up and uh, I think I'm going to acknowledge my summer plans in this episode yep we have it's called timelines episode planning but I wanted to do like a life update at first because those are my favorite and I love when I do a life update and then I get texts about like things other people are doing and if we're like obsessed with the same thing or going through the same fixation it's really fun And it's also a fun way for me to archive the things that I am obsessed with because as we have noted many a times on this show, my obsessions at times are transient. So let me just set the scene for you guys right now. I have a latte, like it's one of those pop and bottle lattes, I think. And I wanted to try it on, on air, on air, that's the phrase. So you can hear it. It's like a oat milk vanilla latte type thing, but it's like all clean ingredients take whatever clean means as you will but it's good it doesn't taste like a normal vanilla latte whatsoever but it has a really distinct taste which i respect so that's that and then i have my stanley filled with my electrolyte powder that i've been obsessed with it's the ultima lemonade powder and it's like my favorite thing in the world because there's magnesium citrate in it so it helps with digestion it helps with sleep and it also has a bunch of amazing electrolytes and it's like clean So I wanted to update you guys on that because I feel like sometimes people actually do want to know those random little tidbits of my life. So wanted to share that. Otherwise, life updates. Well, firstly, I wanted to acknowledge, I'm sure everyone who listens to this already knows about this, but there was a shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville this past week. And I know I have a lot of Nashville listeners and friends who have siblings who are in elementary school and anyone who has a heart. I know that this was probably a really, really heavy event for you. And so I just wanted to say to the Nashville community, but also to anyone else who feels affected by this, and it really is all of us, that I love you and I don't have any words for it. I have not one piece of advice 
for reconciling gun violence, but I wanted to make sure I came on and acknowledged it because I was having a hard time all week on Instagram with like, do I post something on my story? And, and every time I almost share some sort of message on my Instagram, whether it is apolitical or political or something that's been politicized, whatever, I will ask myself like, what is my intention and doing this, like, why am I sharing this? Is it so that I can check a box and so that people who follow me know that I care about this issue or to make myself somehow feel like morally sound? Or am I sharing this with the intention of educating myself and being in integrity with the things that I post? And there's a lot of things about like the congressman for the district where the Covenant School was that I was like, I could post this, but the reality is like, I didn't call his office. I could be calling his office. I could be going out and trying to meet with him, but I almost feel like stagnant in political action right now, which I don't know, people that are listening to this are probably like, boo-hoo. Like, yeah, I'm not complaining. I don't have the opportunity to. I think I wanted to say that because if you're feeling in terms of political activism stagnant and like you are at a loss and that you feel helpless, that's so incredibly normal and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. And if you don't feel like posting on Instagram is going to make you feel better or change the tides of politics or the way that this country operates. And I know I have international listeners, so this probably all sounds like somewhat ludicrous to you guys, but I just wanted to acknowledge that because I've been feeling weird about it and heavy And uh, it's been the first time in my life that I've been like really aware of the gap between the change that I want and the actions that I'm willing to take. Like there's a gap between those two things. I just wanted to say that because usually I wouldn't talk about politics on this, but people being gunned down in a school is not political. So my heart goes out to all of the victims of the Covenant school shooting and their families and the entire natural community, everyone who knew those people. My heart is so with that school, sending so much love. This probably seems like a weird pivot now, to be honest with you, of things that I'm like obsessed with at the moment, which are, I hope this is not tone deaf at all, but to move on and get a little bit more lighthearted, the things that I'm currently obsessed with, this is like the defining synopsis of my life at the moment of like what I've been into. So walking. So I think I said this in the last episode too, but my friend, Emma and I have been going on walks every day and let me just give you a little tale so her mom is this like brilliant executive and she calls her movement like that she schedules into her day project move and Emma told me about this and we were both like that is awesome we're gonna steal that so we've been calling our walks project move and it makes it seem so much more executive it's like a total event that you look forward to every day when you're like, oh, we've got project move this afternoon, four o'clock sharp. So what I wanted to, why I wanted to tell you guys about project move was because anyone can join project move. Start your project move whenever. It could be, honestly, let's just start putting project before everything. Project dinner, project relationship, project going out tonight, project drinking water. Anything can be a project when you put your mind to it. So I wanted to share that. Walking also has just been so much fun. Like it's so low impact. We do little hills, but it feels so good. It's like a great workout, but it's also just, it clears your mind. I always leave my phone at home on my walks unless I'm alone, then I bring it with me. But next, I have been obsessed with Cody Train's videos. So Cody Ko, if anyone is not familiar with Cody Ko, he's a comedian and also now kind of like a DJ, but also like a YouTuber. So he has a YouTube channel. I've been watching him since I was in like sixth grade. And he has a YouTube channel called Cody Trains and it's him training for 
He's done like ultra marathons, a marathon. Now he's training for an Ironman that I'm pretty sure is a few weeks. And he posts all of his training stuff and I love it. It is the most therapeutic thing to me. Like I find it motivational, but I also find it like mindless to watch and listen to, like put on Cody trains and I'll make dinner or I'll put it on the TV and I'll just hang out and do my homework. And if you're into long distance running or even just, if you're someone who thrives on wellness structure in your life, it is such a fun channel to subscribe to and to keep up with because you see his progress and it's, it's so intrinsically motivating whether or not you're training for an Ironman. Next, I have been listening to Stephanie Riggs' podcast, which I believe is called On Attachment, and I posted it on my story the other day. It is so fantastic. I cannot believe that it's free. This is the kind of advice that people go to marriage therapists for, marriage counselors for. It is really, really simple and also profound advice that will change the way you show up in your relationships, whether they're romantic or completely platonic or if it is a paternal relationship. It, for me, even in like a week of listening to probably three of those episodes, has changed the way that I feel just day to day in all of my relationships. Like I feel so at ease knowing what I know. And the one episode that I listened to that I really loved was on the stages of a relationship. And we'll actually talk about this in this episode because the stages of a relationship are intertwined with conversations about timelines and relationships. But she does a really great job of being both honest and optimistic about the different stages of a relationship and how they affect partners. So if you're in a relationship, especially a romantic one, I highly, highly recommend Stephanie Riggs on attachment episode on the stages of relationship because it will make you feel seen and normal and it won't make you feel as out of place whatever stage you're in in your relationship. The one thing I especially liked about it, and now I'm kind of just rambling on about it, but the one thing I really appreciated was that she talks about how there's like this honeymoon phase in the beginning of a relationship. And it's not to say that that's the best phase, like sure, it's the most oxytocin charged phase. So it becomes like a little bit addictive, but it's not the most stable phase maybe, or it's not the most reliable phase or sustainable phase. And she talks about how in relationships, people will get to the second stage of a relationship, which is basically where the honeymoon phase like wears off and you have to figure out like how does this really work when our feelings aren't so so overpowering over all of our thoughts and our daily lives and it doesn't mean you failed the first stage it doesn't mean you have to spend the next 10 years of your relationship if that's how long you're together trying to get back to that first stage like relationships evolve and falling in love with what your relationship is every day or, or who that person's waking up as that is love and so I don't know I found it so I know I've been talking about relationships so much whatever I'm doing I just love to learn about it and so that is why I keep talking about it but I know a lot of people who listen are in relationships so and especially as young adults like we don't know all that much about what we're doing so I think it's so cool to learn from people who have been through it especially when it comes to relationships and there really is so much value we can derive from podcasts like Stephanie Riggs who I'm gonna try to get her on this podcast we shall see if she answers me Okay, I've been really into Monster Cookies from Whole Foods. It's the Miss Jones baking brand. They're gluten-free, and you can make them vegan, and they're phenomenal, and I love that they're like, I mean, anyone who knows what a Monster Cookie is, is like M&M type thing, like little candies, and basically like an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie, but they're so good. I add a little bit of cinnamon, and I under-bake them, and then we let them cool, and they're like phenomenal. So we've been making those 
virtually every single night. I just got them on sale, which was huge. I am reading The Secret Pulse of Time, which I'm really enjoying, and I will discuss that at one point in this episode because it has raised a wonderful revelation for me. And finally, I started Ted Lasso last night because everyone kept telling me things about it. No one was like saying, oh, you have to watch it, but everyone kept coming to me and talking to me as though I'd already watched it or being like mentioning it and it just kept getting brought into my consciousness and I was like okay I need to watch this show because everyone tells me I'd love it and that it's up my alley and also people just talk about how lighthearted it is and how happy it makes them and I started it last night and I'm on episode 10 now of season one and I absolutely love this show guys if you have not watched Ted Lasso I don't even know what to tell you you have to watch it I'm only one season in and I'm like in love with so many of the characters. I felt so good after every episode. It's like the most heartwarming but also like gripping thing. It kind of reminds me in a way of like a more emotionally intelligent new girl. It's really, really good. So that is what I'm into right now. And my next note says, school is over in less than a month and I'm so excited for summer, guys. It's insane. Um, I'm really excited for my summer. I wanted to give you guys a little rundown on what I'll be up to because I got a Sunday question the other day that was like, what's your summer plan? And uh, speaking of timelines, I am doing honestly a pretty similar thing to what I did last summer. I will get home from school at some point in May and then my team is going on a trip from late May to early June. We're going on a team trip to Berlin and Prague to play lacrosse and do some some tourist things. And then my mom is meeting me and we're going to spend some time in Scandinavia. So I'm really excited about that. I have family in Denmark and we'll spend time there, which will be really fun. And honestly, I, I mean, I feel so incredibly lucky that I get to do these things. It is the biggest privilege in the world. I... I'm not so crazy about the whole like jumping around, running around Europe thing that people like to do. I'm very much like if I'm traveling somewhere, I like to settle there, find my favorite places, do pretty low-key things during the day, and obviously see different like museums or other things, events that interest me. But I'm not good at like the high-speed European travel, which I learned last summer. And so I'm not going to stay there for that long. I'll probably be back on the east coast by mid-June and then I go to LA for a little bit per usual and uh, then my mom and I are going to Oahu and pretty much doing the same thing I did last summer like staying in the same place for about like a month month and a half ideally kind of up in the air about how long I'm gonna end up being there but I'm very excited to be back on the North Shore. It is my happiest place in the world. I'm turning 21 this summer, which honestly means virtually nothing other than that, like, I'm 21. But I'll be in Hawaii for a long time and hopefully have a few people come visit, which is so fun because usually when I'm out there, nobody comes to see me. But this summer, I think I'm going to have people come, which is so much fun. And then I'll come home and bop around probably with my friends from home for a bit. So nobody asked what I was up to this summer, but I wanted to give you guys an update just because I think it sounds fun and I'm always curious about what other people are doing. And also I get so many travel questions in my DMs. Like I'll always have people asking me about how I go to Hawaii and what I do there, how I found a place, how much does it cost? So if you guys ever want like a travel episode, I'm happy to do that. I feel like I've really um, figured out how to travel as a young adult and make it not 
crazy expensive. So if that is something you guys are interested in, let me know. But that was something I just wanted to give you guys an update on because summer is coming and I'm very excited. Okay, today's topic is timelines and more specifically why I think they're stupid. So I was thinking about timelines the other day because you know when everyone as of late has been adding like ing to a random word, I was like, I just feel like everyone's timelining me. Why are people timelining me? It's very annoying. And it's a verb I've conjured up. I'm not the first person to use this, just wanted to be clear. But I've decided that timelining is something that you can do to other people or you can do it to yourself. Or of course, other people can do it to you. And an example of being timelined is when you're a junior in college and someone is like, clearly this is specific. You're like a junior, sophomore in college, or even a senior or freshman. And someone's like, oh my gosh, do you know what you want to do after college? Do you know where you want to be? Do you know where you want to live and when you want to live there? Do you know when you want to have kids? Do you know when you want to get married? What age do you want to get married at? Or if you're in a relationship with someone and they're like, have you said I love you yet? Have you had sex yet? Have you done X, Y, Z? Have you met their parents? These are natural questions we ask people. I ask them too. I am no stranger to timelining both myself and other people. We all do it. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's purely out of curiosity. Sometimes we want to know where we are on the timeline and if someone else is doing better than us or if they're not, quote unquote, as timely with a lot of the things they're doing, then maybe we feel better about where we're at. So I wanted to talk about it because I know that I've talked a lot about how plans for post-grad, especially for me, I'm like, I don't really, it seems futile to have conversations with people. Oh, where are you going to be? Or what, what do you want to do? Where are you going to be? I have ideas. I have things I would love to continue doing. I love the job that I'm at now. I love the work I do now. But the feeling of having to owe someone an answer to that is weird. It's unnatural because as we'll talk about later in the episode, like you don't know what your future holds. And so for you to feel bad when you don't have an answer to that question, because it always does feel a little weird when you're the one who you feel like you failed to answer and not like someone has asked you a dumb question. And basically, The thing with timelines is that timelines were built in for the sake of, and just for reference, we are nixing the biological clock. Just pretend it doesn't exist in this episode because yes, marriage, kids, maybe those things are important for your biological clock. Who cares? Moving on. I'm 20 years old. I'm not talking about a biological clock right now. So back to what I was saying, the reality about timelining is that timelines were built in essentially so that if you meet these marks you are on pace to be a respected human being right that's like kind of in theory versus if you exceed these marks then you are like you're that guy or you're that person and really it all comes down to like these timelines are for fitting into other people's molds that have been built for you and meeting other people's expectations and so if your life is about impressing other people or pleasing other people you are never going to fill that hole so if you're constantly trying to meet other people's timelines and people are timelining you whether it's your parent or your friends or a random stranger who wants to know everything you're doing after you graduate college if you pursue answering those questions or even finding the answer to those questions with the intention of pleasing the people who are asking those questions or pleasing the people who have set those expectations for you you're never going to fill the hole of of what you feel like you need 
it gives power and control of your life to other people. And if, if you're emotionally dependent on other people's approval, you will always be unhappy. And that is something I've learned. And that is something that took lots of trial and error to actually understand. But meeting other people's expectations or meeting someone else's timelines when it doesn't feel right to you or you don't feel inspired to do that thing at that point in your life, it's never going to fill you up. It's never going to make you happy. My next qualm with timelines is that it completely steals from the present moment. Like we steal presence from ourselves when all we do is think about what's in the future. And it is, and I'll say it a million times, it's exciting to think about, oh my gosh, am I gonna get married? Who am I gonna marry? How many kids am I gonna have? Where am I gonna live? What am I gonna do? What crazy things are gonna happen in my life? Who's gonna be my best friend, my maid of honor? We love certainty as I talked about in the last episode, but we also love this fun game of imagining what our future could be like and the different paths it could take. And so that inherently tells the present moment that it is a stepping stone on your way to somewhere better or more important. And the reality is you create your future in your present. And so when all you do is think about your future and you don't actually take any action in the present, you're at this stalemate with your brain because you can't actually materialize any of the things you want for your future because all you're doing is thinking about it. I was reading The Secret Pulse of Time, which is a wonderful book. It is Andrew Huberman's most recommended book, which is my primary motivator and why I'm reading it. And it talks about how in ancient cultures, there was this concept that was widely believed that the future is behind us and that the past is in front of us. Whereas in American culture and modern culture, when we imagine the future, we imagine the future as being in front of us, as though we're looking out at it and the past being behind us. And the book explains how in ancient cultures, this didn't make sense because why would the past be behind you? The past, you know what happened. You were there. You've experienced it all. And so you can see it all laid out in front of you. The future, however, is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen. And so speculating on it would be futile. It wouldn't make sense. It would be like a lost cause, essentially, to speculate on what, what's going on behind you, you know, eyes in the back of your head. And I thought this was amazing because oftentimes we freak out about our future because we convince ourselves that it's in front of us and that we should know what's going to happen, that we should be able to control what's going to happen. The reality is our future is right now behind us. And it's so exciting. You never know what's going to come forward to you, but your past, you can see it. You know what happened. And because you know what happened, you can say, okay, well, that's great. That was that. But now I'm standing here in the present moment and this is where I am. And then the future doesn't even feel like the future because things just kind of like come into your orbit and suddenly you've evolved into this person or you've evolved into a new life. And it's because you haven't put so much fearful energy into trying to create a future that you think is going to make you happy. And I guess it's kind of convoluted. Even in saying that, I'm like, some people just, that's not gonna jive with you. That's so fine. Let's see what else I wrote on here. I love taking notes for these episodes, but then sometimes I have no idea what I was talking about. And this is just supposed to be a generally chatty episode. So my last point about timelines before we get into some questions that people asked is basically that if you are questioning whether or not a timeline is right for you and whether or not you wanna take a path that you feel like is stable for you, or if you want to try out a new path and, and see where it takes you. The question that I always ask myself when I'm making a decision about anything pertaining to timelines is like, 
does what I'm doing now support the life that I want to have? So if I want to have a stable relationship in my life, like a stable romantic relationship, am I doing the things right now that are going to support that life later down the line? Is future Kayleen going to say, wow, thank you for handling that the way that you did? In terms of health, if I'm thinking about, okay, timelines for aging even, like skincare about aging, does what I'm doing now support the life that I want to have? I want to have healthy skin. I want to have a healthy gut, etc. Those are the questions. Does what I'm doing now support the life I want to have? If you if you are a pre-med major right now and you want to be a musician, I'm going to venture a guess and say that what you are doing now is probably not supporting the life that you want to have. So I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but it's worth examining that misalignment and seeing where you can find kind of close the gap and find more resonance between what you're doing now and the life that you dream of. That is my spiel on timelines until we get into these questions, which I love questions a lot more than I love just like rattling off random points that I have cooked up. Number one, when is the right time to say I love you in a new relationship? Interestingly enough, I saw a study that said it takes men 80 days on average to say I love you in a relationship and it takes women 120 which I think is super interesting but I think the right time to say I love you in a new relationship is when you have fallen in love with the person that's when you say it because imagine that you knew you were in love with someone and then they got hit by a bus the next day and you hadn't said it that's what I always think about next at what point during college do I have to get an internship at no point in college do you have to get an internship I think a lot of people will tell you different things based on what you want to do. Some people, if you want to go into finance, maybe you're getting an internship summer after your freshman year. I also know people who have been hugely successful, who are hugely successful, who didn't have one internship during college. So it really is a matter of forming the resume you think is going to be the most beneficial or getting the work experience or the life experience that you think is going to benefit you most in the field that you're going into. But people act like they are going to actually implode if they don't get their dream internship the summer after their freshman year of college. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is not that big of a deal. You are on the right path. You're always exactly where you're supposed to be. I cannot stress it enough. The universe is not conspiring against you. God is not conspiring against you. Corporate America is not conspiring against you. If you want to go into corporate America, if you want to go into any industry, highly doubt that they're conspiring against you. And so you're not in the rat race that you probably feel like you're in. There's always more time. If you're alive, there's always more time. So I would say I got an internship the summer after my freshman year of college because I loved it because I needed to make money. But it depends on the industry you're going into. So I would recommend connecting with someone you know who's in that industry, maybe someone who's like pretty early post-grad, what they did, see if they can get you any connections. But don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like you are still 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. It is not the biggest deal in the world if you don't have an internship in the summer. You can just have your summer and work at the pool, work at a camp, do whatever you want. Or if you're super lucky, you maybe don't have to work. There's a million things that you could do. So if you're going to do an internship, find an internship that you actually feel like will add value. Even if it's like the value of, for me, like when I started working where I work, it was like a lot of, frankly, like bitch work, doing things for other people and you learn how the systems operate. That's really valuable. So find a place that's going to help you develop the skills that will then further you in your career. Same thing. Ask yourself the question, does what I'm doing now support the life I want to have? Also, I just want to acknowledge, like, I'm not in finance. I'm not in consulting. I have so many friends who are, but 
I'm not like an expert. So some of my friends who do this might be listening and being like, Kayleen has no idea what she's talking about. In which case, I probably don't. So that's just like my woo-woo, airy-fairy take on internships. But I should say I have had one since I was a freshman in college and I now work full-time. I have for most of college. And next question, how to cope with the pressure to fall into a stable or predictable career path? Well, that kind of goes off of our last question, but there are so many career paths and I am speaking from the perspective of someone who goes to Vanderbilt University as a higher education, elite higher education institution. And so there is like a pretty dominant pressure to go into one of a few career paths being engineering, um, software, computer science type thing, or finance or consulting. Um, or pre-med. And so if you're not any of those things, there are moments at this school that you will inevitably be looked at like you have foreheads because you're not doing any of those things. And it's not a judgment to anyone who has decided to pursue those career paths. They're amazing. And if it fills you up, run with it. I have so many friends who are going into those career paths and it really does make them happy. And if I were going into finance, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't fill me up and it wouldn't make me like the best version of myself. But I think I experienced this. Like when people ask me what I want to do after college and I'm like, the plan is that nobody feels like they need to ask me what my plan is. That's literally the plan. And I'm trying to find a quote for you that I wrote down from Whitney Cummings a while ago because it talks about how if you're going into a quote, unstable or unpredictable career path, whether it's music or acting or you want to be an influencer or content creator or whatever, you want to travel the world and write about if you're going to journalism. There is this amazing quote from Whitney Cummings that I think about frequently because she talks about how you can work hard towards your goals, basically. And so I think the best way to cope with feeling like your career path that you feel drawn to maybe is unstable or unpredictable, work so hard at it that you feel beyond prepared and that's the coping mechanism. The coping mechanism is confidence going into that field, whatever it is. This quote says, if people think you're normal, you're not working hard enough. You should be uncomfortable all the time. You should feel like you're jumping for a cliff at all times. Work so hard, people think you're crazy. And I don't know that you should be uncomfortable all the time. Love Whitney Cummings, but like that's not really, but I do love the part that says, work so hard, people think you're crazy, especially as it pertains to your career. And I think hard work can look different. Some people can do it really consistently. Some people can do it in bursts and it's equally productive. But I think that that's the remedy for any instability you feel. It's like, let me become the best at what I'm doing. Let me fire myself up and become so prepared for this career path that I have so bravely decided to take on over other things that might be more stable. But this thing is what lights me up. And so I'm going to work my ass off until I can do it well, until I feel stable doing it. So it's scary for sure. It's so scary. But I don't know. I'm really proud that anyone is willing to pursue something that's a little bit outside of the box because I think going to college, they don't tell you how many jobs exist. And then you meet people. Let's say we did like a career panel of 20 people. There would be 15 of them would be telling you jobs you had no idea existed. And we limit ourselves to jobs we're familiar with, jobs we've heard of, jobs we've heard our parents talk about. Like there are so many fantastic, interesting, inspiring jobs that you could step into that align with things you care about and that are in industries that you want to be in. Don't forget that. Pursue them. 
get curious about the opportunities, email people, get on LinkedIn. There are so many things you can do to create opportunities for yourself where other people aren't creating them. And it's not a competition necessarily of like who can find the cooler stuff. But if you want to feel prepared, if you want to feel like you are making connections in in an industry, you need to start networking. You need to start creating some sort of presence, even if it's just a foot in the door in that industry, a foot in the door of the door of the door of the door that will lead you to where you want to be. That's my take. I could talk so much about careers because I just think it's fascinating. (laughs) Next question. When to ask the what are we question in a relationship? I think this is difficult because when to ask the what are we question? I'd be curious to hear your guys' takes on this because I think that either you're in a relationship and you feel the need to ask what are we because you guys both know what you are and you just like want to throw a label on it or one of you is actually confused and they're like, what is this? Because if it's like a sneaky link and they're not pursuing you whatsoever, you're not pursuing them and they're like, what are we? And you feel confused because my principal rule in relationships is, or even just like having a crush or talking to someone, it's like, if they make you feel like the question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, if they make you feel confused, then the reality is that they probably don't like you enough to be clear about it, which is fine. Like you, we are not entitled to other people's emotions. And so that for me is like on one side, if you have to say, what are we? Because you genuinely have no idea where that person's head, at, head is at. It probably is not going to be the greatest relationship if something does transpire from that. But there's also like the, what are we conversation? That's not so much of a question. It's like the what are we conversation, like what do we want to call this? What is this? Where do we see this going? Um, And I think that that can happen at any point in a relationship. I think it's worth waiting like a few weeks, a month of seeing how things play out. What is a relationship like? What does it feel like to you? What does it feel like to them? And navigating those initial feelings and then being like, okay, do I want this? What do I want this to look like? And once you really get in touch with the question of like, do I want this to go on? Like, do I see a future here? And if you do, then I think it's worth having the conversation, whether that's three weeks in or two months in. It's worth having the conversation and saying, I see a future here and I really want to pursue it. What do you, what do you want out of this? Like, what do we see happening here? And with the right person, it'll be an easy conversation. Truly, it will be a very easy conversation and you guys will likely be on the exact same page, which is a blessing, but you can find it. And so if someone is like straight arming you on that conversation, hit the ditch switch. That is not your person. Next, taking breaks in relationships if two people are on different paths. I wanted to include this question because I think when we talk about timelines and I experienced this with my friends at home this past summer and a lot of them are in amazing relationships but I found that like every two days we would start talking about marriage and what kind of wedding we were going to have and how many kids we were going to have and I was like why are we talking about this like it makes you feel like you're in a race to the finish line like why are we racing to the finish line I talked to my mom on the phone about this the other day we're like everyone is always racing towards some finish line that they're never going to reach if the finish line is death which I'm pretty sure that's the only actual finish line that we have. It's like, why are you racing there? Why are you trying to create things so quickly? Why are you trying to rush things? If you want something to last, don't rush it. That's all that I have on that particular piece of the question. But going back to taking breaks in relationships, I think a lot of people project 
the idea of like a perfect relationship timeline like you talk for a few months and then you decide to start dating and once you start dating it gets more serious you meet the person's parents you go on like some trips together and then you are Instagram official and then blah 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 like you know the steps so we've all witnessed it happen and nowhere in that perfect relationship timeline do people say like oh and and then we took a break or and then we had a really rough patch even in marriages like I heard Cody Co on his podcast yesterday which I thought was so beautiful and touching and refreshing just talking about how in love he is with Kelsey and how amazing their relationship is and how he knew that he was going to marry her like two weeks into their relationship and I love that he also included like oh my god and have we had hard patches yes have we had really difficult times 100% and it's about like still continuing to choose that person over and over again and uh, that's why I think taking a break in a relationship it doesn't mean you're in the wrong relationship I think if people have projected that perfect ideal relationship with no hard patches or no time apart onto you that's something you either are willing to accept and then suddenly it is wrong to take a break or something that you're not willing to accept and you say this is what's best for our relationship and once again we return to the question does what I'm doing now support the life I want to have it's just a really grounding question to be asking in any instance of indecision and I just want to say I don't think it's wrong to take a break in a relationship if that's what feels right for you it doesn't mean that you're never gonna be able to get back together sometimes you need time apart from someone but be intentional about it like am I using this time to gain clarity on my relationship and am I using this time to evolve as a person to evolve as a partner whatever it is I think do it with intention and you are a-okay the right things will work out everything will fall into place next when is too early slash weirdly late in a situationship or relationship to have sex do i hold off or play hard to get um i think that this is so individual to every person and every relationship it really is a matter of like your security your comfort with that person and i am not a situationship kind of person so I haven't really been in that situation but I think when you get into any sort of relationship with someone there is like this aspect of polarity and if you have not heard Tinks's box theory it's basically that guys have like boxes and I'm really exposing myself to all of the the men who follow this podcast but it's like that the idea that men put you in a box when they meet you so this is for women who date men and men put you in a box into like the hookup box or the date box or the friend box and you basically whereas a man for women can move boxes like they can go from being a friend to being in the date box or the hookup box versus for men I think it's a little bit more you are usually if you are in the date box and Tinks always says like if you're in the date box and you have sex with someone on the third date versus two and a half months in because there was that whole like 90s dating culture of being like I'm holding off for 10 dates to have sex and uh, I really do think it is like a matter of personal preference a matter of personal comfort like if you are dying to have sex with someone and they're dying to have sex with you and you feel comfortable and that's going to be so fun then like why not do it um don't do don't hold off just because of like a pride thing or like playing hard to get or like not wanting to like quote unquote give out if you have sex with someone and then they're like oh boring she had sex with me now I don't want her like that's a that is that is not a man that's an asshole so keep that in mind when you're like gauging whether or not you want to be intimate with someone in that way because if you feel 
so anxious about the relationship that you feel like the minute you stop holding off or stop playing hard to get that they're going to leave you or that you are suddenly unworthy to them, then that means that you feel like they believe that your only worth to them is being a sexual object, which sounds dramatic, but like that sucks and you should never feel that way in a relationship and you shouldn't be having sex with someone who makes you feel that way, in my opinion, because I don't think it's going to make you feel good about yourself. Next, um, but just to circle back, whenever feels right for you, whenever you feel comfortable, I do think like there's a some value in waiting at least a little bit even if it's just like not on the first date it is so ridiculously individual that's all I'm saying on that next having trouble deciding if I should take a gap year after high school or go straight to college don't want to be behind socially or academically I can promise you all of my friends that have taken gap years are not behind socially or academically if anything they are far more well-adjusted than the average college student and it really is not as big of a deal in high school age is a big deal I feel like and you get in this mindset of like oh you identify with your grade you identify with like the year you've graduated high school and so it feels weird to make the change to shift and take this leap into a new grade or like a new timeline that you maybe didn't imagine for yourself always but you're not going to be behind socially or academically because you take a gap year if you want to take a gap year I honestly don't think I've ever talked to anyone who has regretted taking a gap year you could also always take a gap year in between semesters in college if you wanted to go to college and then make that decision but then you kind of lock yourself into another timeline of like oh well if I took a gap year I'll be behind on recruiting for jobs or I'll be behind on xyz my credits so it's if you feel like taking a gap year my honest opinion is just take one like take one if you have the means to do it if you have things prepared and whether you're doing like the travel around the world thing or staying at home and working just to make money like if you think a gap year is the best thing for you to do then trust your gut on that i bet i bet you're right and i bet it will teach you really amazing things next and our last one do you have advice for post-grad anxiety feels like moving back home is failing so many people have post-graduate career crises and the number one i am a junior so i haven't really directly confronted the post-grad career crisis quite yet i have them every so often where i'm like wait do i want to go into film do i want to do this i'm like oh my gosh take a seat touch grass kayleen so my advice number one moving back home if your parents are willing to have you is not failing it is financially responsible and there are so many more people who do it than you realize and it's just like this trope in movies like oh there's like a 40 year old living in their parents basement that is one thing but to be 22 years old and 23 years old in the grand scheme of life you are still so young and living there if it's going to save you money and help you prepare for adjusting to the quote-unquote real world then i think you're putting yourself in a situation to succeed so that is an investment in your future when it comes back to asking the question of does what I'm doing support the life that I want to have. Next, I think in terms of the post-grad career crisis, rejection is redirection. So post-grad anxiety is natural. Like it is this new world of lacking structure and lacking the structure of school that you've known for so long. So when you graduate from that structure, it's like, okay, I have to figure out what I like outside of school when I have time for new things and who I want to spend my time with and what city I want to live in and where I want to be and what I want to do what are my hobbies how do I want to meet new people there's a million things to consider and it actually is so exciting if you let it be it is also so anxiety provoking if you let it be and 
like I said, rejection is redirection in this case. So if you don't get the job you want, trust that you're being redirected. If you don't land in the city that you dreamt of living in, if you want to be in New York and you end up in Chicago, trust that either you will love Chicago or that you'll find your way to New York or that you'll find your way to a situation that is even better. And there's just as much value. This is something I've learned from working in different spaces. I worked at one point in like a marketing kind of role and PR stuff. I have learned that there is just as much value in learning what you don't like as learning what you do enjoy. And this goes for every area of life. Truly, it's like if you are in a relationship and it ends and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm devastated. This relationship's over. But I really didn't like these things about this partner. Write those things down. You don't like those things. You don't want them in your next partner. You don't want to repeat that. Same thing goes for a career. If you are in a role and you are, like let's say I was in a marketing role and I realized I don't like feeling like a telemarketer. I don't really like sales. I don't enjoy doing like the kind of branding stuff. And I really enjoyed like the business development side. I really enjoy strategy and figuring out like finances and and more entrepreneurial stuff that doesn't have to do so much with like design and customer outreach. And I figured out that I didn't like those things. And so now in the role I'm currently at, as I've filled different roles at MindBodyGreen, I have looked for things that I know align with the skills that I have and also the skills that I enjoy leaning into of like interacting with people and having big picture ideas and not so much like attention to detail, reaching out to different sales teams, etc. So when you are, if you start your first job and you hate it, write down all the things you didn't like about it. And then at your new job, you could literally say to the person who's interviewing you, here is what I felt misaligned with in my previous job. Maybe it was doing marketing, customer outreach, sales. And I want to know in this role how I can further strengthen the skills that I feel like will propel me further in my career. It's not a perfect sentence, but that's the general idea of like your first job does not have to be perfect. It also does not have to be the job that you've dreamt of. Or maybe it is a job that you dreamt of and you realize you don't love it. And you can take from it what you need to further your career and shed the rest. That is all I have on timelines and that was so much fun to record. I was probably babbling to be completely honest with you guys. It's 8 p.m. at this point and I'm just like excited to go eat dinner but I wanted to share in a bonus section my April intentions because that's fun but really just because I'm excited that April's starting. It's April 1st right now. Tomorrow's April 2nd. That is how uh, the calendar goes, but I have chosen my theme for April as being strength and warmth and finding a balance between those two things in my life and like embodying both strength and warmth because I feel like I have a hard time being assertive and I'm just generally not an assertive person. I am like I've said many times, very unbothered person. Like it's very, I'm not very excitable in terms of getting like angry or annoyed. But I do think that there's strength to be gained for me when it comes to saying how I feel or saying what I need. And that's something I want to channel more in April. And then also warmth because I am a really warm person. And I feel like I've kind of mastered that, but I want to master the balance between like, where can I be respectable in finding this balance and so that people can appreciate the warmth, but also honor the strength that it takes to be forthcoming about your feelings and what you need and and how you, your feelings and what you need. Next, I, this is kind of in a similar vein. I said my intention is to marry confidence and humility. And 
this has been a big theme in my life recently, more so with like people coming to talk to my lacrosse team about how do you balance being confident with also being humble because having an inflated sense of importance when it's not realistic to the outcome of like a game or of team performance is not helpful to anyone. But having a understanding of what you contribute to an organization while also having the humility to realize that it's not just you, that you are one of, for me, like 40 people that contribute to a program, it really is valuable. And just marrying confidence and humility in every area of my life is something that I want to lean into. And then another intention is to trust, respect, and appreciate the process. And this came from a podcast I listened to on the Skinny Confidential, which I believe I posted, but I will link it in the show notes because I want to remember what it was, but I don't totally know right now. But trusting, respecting, and appreciating the process of getting to where you want to be. And this is perfect because when we talk about timelines, it's like we pull ourselves out of the present so frequently by wishing ourselves into the future. And we then miss where we are because we're so obsessed with where we want to be. And then you look back and you're like, I wasn't in a bad place. I very much could have appreciated that instead of wishing myself into the next stage of my life. And so I want to trust, respect, and appreciate the process of getting to where I want to be. Like, what is the hard work that I have to put in day to day, the little things look like to get me to where I want to be in my relationships, in in my career, in my relationships, in my personal health, with my pers- with my personal goals. There are so many little things and I want to be able to trust that process and not need massive external confirmation to tell me that I'm doing the right thing. Like I respect the process when I feel like I'm doing the work that I need to be doing. And my mantra for the month, I feel like this is all very streamlined into like one idea that I can't quite name. My mantra for the month is the harder you are on something, the more you wear it out. The harder you are on yourself, the more you wear yourself out. The harder you are in your career, the more you wear it out. The harder you are on your partner, you the more you wear them out. The harder you are on your body, the more you wear it out. It is just like this universally valuable piece of advice. And so that is my mantra. And I hope that since this is coming out on a Sunday in early April, or maybe you're listening to it at some random point in the year, I hope that you have cooked up some April intentions or monthly intentions of your own and maybe this will inspire you to do just that and I love when you guys tag me when you guys do intentions it makes my whole day and I know that this was kind of like a rambly chatty episode but I'm trying to make not every episode try to be absolutely perfect and like profound wisdom being shared because once again I'm only 20 years old and I don't actually 90% of what I say is insanity. But when it comes to the podcast, the harder I am on it, the more I wear it out. So we're just going to have fun with it. And I love you guys. I hope everyone has a really, really wonderful Sunday. I hope the sun is shining. Or if you're into rain like I am, I hope it is gloomy and raining. And I hope everyone's pillows are cold tonight. I hope the ice in your coffee does not melt too quickly. I just adore you all and you guys deserve the world. Okay. That is all for today. Thank you for listening.